Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed, it is the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan, your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champion Texas Rangers. I'm Reginald Atula, and I'm here alongside the fan phenom, Blake Elliott. Rodrigo Mendoza is on the ones and twos for us on this evening. We appreciate you, sir, and thank you for rocking with us. We got you till 11 p.m. on this Tuesday evening in the Metroplex, and it's not going to be a passive uh, engagement between you and I, listener. Uh, we really want you to get involved uh, by texting in to the truckwreck.com text line, 877-881-1053. Again, that number, 877-881-1053. You can also see our smiling faces, myself and Blake, both visible on the fan cam, which you can find by searching 105 through the fan on YouTube or going to twitch.tv slash Dallas fan cam. Both those are options for you. Um, Blake, how you doing, my man? I am feeling spicy. You know, we had a great conversation. Spicy? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the boudin. We had a good conversation yesterday. Going to follow that up with today. A lot of stuff to get into. A lot of interesting Monday night football, some good NBA going on. So, I'm excited, man. We got the Tolos already texting in. We got my boy Daniel, who's in here every time from Forney. Shout out to you. So if you're a Tolo texting, you heard the heard the, the number. Let us know you're here. But do Be you engaged. know the number? You said that like 877-881-1053. Uh-huh. There it is. Woo, yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That is indeed the number. A um, lot to talk about in this evening. Obviously, we'll talk Cowboys. Talk a little bit about Luka mm-hmm. and what his MVP, MVP candidacy looks like this season, the NBA a lot of stuff, but we begin by talking about your Dallas Cowboys um, because, look, man, this was a very terrible loss when mm. it came to yep. the Buffalo Bills. You got beat up pretty badly, and this one was bad for that reason, right? It was bad also because this is a good team, you know, above 500. And again, the Cowboys had not fully uh, washed themselves of the accusations of, you know, only beating bad teams. But more so, this added into a, a seemingly kind of like long line of poor play when you were playing against or playing away from AT and T Stadium. And yep. I guess some of this is juxtaposed by the fact that when they have when they have played at AT and T Stadium, it has been incredible to watch. They have played very good football at home, but away from the house, away from the crib, it has looked very bad to the tune of this, right? Uh, this team has has a, a 7-0 record at the house, mm-hmm. scoring um, 39.9 points a game, essentially giving you a 40-burger every time out, um, and only allowing your opponents uh, to score 15.4 points per game. Compare that to the away record, which is 3-4 and four mm-hmm. this year, Scoring 21.7 points per game, which is not terrible, but also you compare that to just the the significant drop-off of 18 points from their home performances. And then you also consider that they were allowing 22.3 points per game Mm -hmm. uh, to teams on the road. And, I mean, obviously there's there's more things to look at there, but, uh, man, what what are you seeing? What do you believe adds into this Cowboys home-road split 
in results and performance. And I, I know that was the question that was asked to very many Cowboy stakeholders. We'll hear from some of them. But, mm-hmm. Blake, and obviously you, the listener, again, text in 877-881-1053. But, Blake, what are some of the things for you that ring true when it comes to the idea of what's leading to the Cowboys' stark difference in performance on, uh, on the road compared to when they play at home? Well, I want to start with one – there is no definitive answer because we are not in that locker room every day and in the practice. So not going to put any, any accusations out there. This is exactly what it is. It's all just speculation. And the best speculation I can have is this team is young and a lot of key pieces and a lot of guys that are kind of coming up when it comes to, especially on that defensive side of the ball, other outside of Gilly and D law. So I don't know if it's just a not being acquainted with and not being ready to go, letting that kind of, um, not handling prosperity correctly. And we were kind of talking about this year, how we thought this team was different, how they could handle prosperity differently and be able to, even when they win and people are talking about them being Super Bowl contenders and still be able to keep their head down and, and play well. But also to the tune, they have played some of their better teams were on the road at Bills, at Eagles, at Niners. So the stats are going to be a little skewed because the three best teams they played were on the road. So the stats aren't going to look as well because it's not like they're – they did have some, obviously, some road games against the Panthers and the Chargers, Giants, took care of business and all of those. <sighs> Reggie, I wish I had some easy answer just of them sleeping in not their own bed versus a hotel bed, traveling to the east or west coast, and they just kind of lay one in the bed. I, I, I really don't know why they can't play well on the road. I don't know if it's – it's all just speculation at this point. They got to get – they got to change it, that's for sure, because how it's going right now with the playoff picture, they're going to play – a road game. So help me out, Reggie. Do you, do you have a remedy for why they can't play well on the road? Well, we'll, we'll try and talk through it here in this first segment, mm-hmm. but I want to begin by asking the quarterback of this team. People are already pointing out the idea or the question, does, is it because Dak sucks? And I feel like that's a really asinine thing to say when you consider the way that he played mm-hmm. uh, for a good stretch of games there. Um, and just like the, the ways in which when he is not on 100%, it seems like it's falling off a cliff in a way. Uh, the offensive uh, performance Regardless, let's see what Dak's perspective was was after the game when he was asked, why can't this team play competitive on the road? Jay White, Lone Star Live. Obviously, it's a game of adjustments, but how difficult is adjusting to something that's not schematic, kind of like the translation between home and away performance? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's probably one of the first times I've dealt with with something like this. Uh, And... We, we've got to embrace, I guess, more than anything, just being on the road, uh, being, being, I guess you could say, the underdog, um, going into somebody else's in somebody else's uh, territory. Something I've always enjoyed, honestly. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah, I wish I really had an, I had an answer. As I said, that's what, that would be what we we do in these next couple of days, and when we get in Wednesday. No different than, than the answers I try to find within myself individually, how I can help this offense make sure that, that we uh, close that gap. I know the coaches will have answers as well, and then we'll get back to it. Maybe I've got more for you on Thursday. Dak didn't have anything as an, uh, in the way of an answer. Well, as you're trying to you know find an answer, and I'm leaning in some ways on Mike Pellucci of uh, the uh, D Magazine, um, as we're trying to find an answer, you try and like you know dig through some of the statistics to maybe help you 
source some of this out, what right? You got for me. All right, so let's see. You mentioned kind of quality of opposition, mm-hmm. right? And anecdotally, you go, okay, well, you definitely play the Bills on the road. You play the Niners on the road, and maybe just maybe it's just you're playing certain teams on the road that make this different. Mm-hmm. However, if you compare this, um, the the I don't know how clear that is, right? When it comes to the record and the win percentage of the teams that visited uh, AT&T Stadium, meaning your Cowboys home games, you played against teams that averaged a 457 win percentage. Mm-hmm. Now, when the Cowboys played on the road, the teams that they faced have a 462 win percentage. Yep. Now, Got clearly, the Cardinals in there <laughs> tanking us. <laughs> right, clearly, clearly that goes up a little bit, but by point. Zero zero five percent makes it seem that, and of course, like win percentage isn't the end all be all mm-hmm. of if if a team is good or not. And but ultimately, you look at that, and what that points to is the idea that these the teams that they played at home and and, and away are somewhat similar. All things like in the wash, right? It all kind of comes out in the wash there, right? And so that's one thing that you look at, and maybe you go, all right. Now you look at the way that they're producing on the road versus at home. And at home, Dallas has the second most efficient offense in the NFL, only behind the Niners. Yep. Defense at home ranks third in NFL in terms of EPA per play allowed, which is only behind the Dolphins and the Browns, right? On the road, the offense takes a hit. Now, mind you, that's part of going on the road. Most offenses will take a level of hit. Um, the offense is less productive, but it's still inside the top 10. And ultimately, if you said this offense is top 10 on the road, is that a good thing or bad thing? How you feel about that? I, I would say that's a good thing. You, you you hope to win all your home games and split on the road. So if you're still top ten on the off on the offensive side of the ball going on the road, you know that should spell well for you, especially with how your defense has been playing the last couple of years. We're getting takeover or turnovers, getting your offense more opportunities, and we've still been doing that to a good amount. But like obviously, when you have zero takeaways and your offense is sputtering like it was against the Bills, you see what happens when you don't have when you're not ready to stop the run, like. There's a lot of things that kind of fold into that and what things travel well, defense and running the football. And I wouldn't say as far as physicality, not talking about takeaways, just straight up man-on-man defense and running the ball that hasn't been our strength this year. It's been okay. And then obviously it exposed its ugly head when we played against the Bills. Right, and that's exactly where you're going. Look at the defense when it comes to EPA per play. Again, EPA just being kind of a general metric of success. Mm-hmm. Um over the entirety of this, you know, given given um, subset. And when it comes to EPA per play, defensive EPA per play, uh, at home, this defense is third best. When they are on the road, they rank 19th in EPA per play, which is below average. And so that is a big dip when it comes to it. And one of the things you can talk about is run stopping, run defense. You mentioned it, and obviously it was the big takeaway, or at least the the glowing neon sign yeah. that was evident when you turned on Fox on Sunday at three twenty-five. You saw the Bills not e- like it, the thing about the run game in this in this game for the Bills is not only was it successful, it was disrespectful, right? It was the it type was of ba- it was it was like I said, emasculating. That was the best way I could say when I saw them running the ball. Left, right, up to center, to the left, to the right. They did not care, Reg. They didn't care. Yeah, they, they go, said we can. We're going to run it, and you're not going to do anything about it. Right. Cowboys go from allowing 3.4 yards per carry at home, which again third best, to allowing 4.7 yards per carry on the road, which is 26th best. And this makes me, you know, jump up and ask one of the questions that we didn't get to yesterday. But of course, there's so many questions that you can't get to all of them in one day. How much do we want to put? Um, the defensive fall off, at least in this game in particular, 
right? You can't. This doesn't go and, uh, translate to all the road games for this Cowboys team. How much do we want to put the defensive fall off on Jonathan Hankins not being there? Because this defense is is more of a speed. I don't want to use, I guess, finesse, and I don't want to use that as a pejorative, but I think you get what I mean when I say that. Uh, team, especially when you consider that with the injuries of Leighton Van Der Esch and DeMarvion overshone in the linebacker position, they're also having to play a little bit smaller when you're bringing down uh, safeties yep. to play in the box. And we knew that this was a problem for this team. Jerry Jones mentioned this today, which is why they went and they went and uh, traded for Jonathan Hankins and then they re-signed him. And this is why they went and added uh, Mozzie Smith. The idea is that they need they knew that they needed some stoutness in the middle, and Jonathan Hankins not playing. How much did you look at that and go, if Jonathan Hankins there, there's a different level of play? Well, my answer, right, the 214 gets right to it, right? What we were talking, I was kind of talking about yesterday, and we were even talking about on the break. Our defense is built to stop the pass, which is fundamentally backwards a bit. And I think that's, I, 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 I agree. Is with it? Is it fundamentally backwards? I, I, Why not, does Buddy believe not that? Not necessarily the fundamentally backwards okay. part, but more of the first part of your saying. Fair Our enough. defense is built to stop the pass. And the way that we are built right now with those hybrid safeties, playing linebackers, I know we've said it before, but that's really all it comes down to. We are the way this team is built and constructed is to play ahead. Dak gets the ball, we score, yada, mm. yada, yada. We have elusive pass rushers. We have hybrid linebackers or hybrid safeties, my bad, playing linebacker. And when teams are forced to pass, you have Bell and um Damone Clark running sideline to sideline, and that plays in our favor. When a team has the lead or it's neutral and they can just run the ball over and over because they have the lead and they're winning the time of possession battle, that does not bode well for the Cowboys. They just don't have the manpower. And then when you lose a Jonathan Hankins up the middle, who was a good run stopper, it makes it even more and more obvious. But we were talking about yesterday, Jonathan Hankins or not, it might have not been 266 yards, but it still was – He's People are acting like he's Aaron Donald or something. Like yeah. He's not just absolutely this world changer where he's in there and no one can run the ball on us. It might have looked better, but at the end of the day, our, we had bad eyes. Safeties were getting yep. missing holes. We had linebackers jumping over uh, blocks, and not in a good way, not not to fill the hole, but getting out of the way. 300-pound men absolutely bulldozing them, picking them up. It was embarrassing. Like It wasn't just one player. And I saw, I saw some people on um, social media trying to slander Micah Parsons. I'm like, they ran away from him most of the night, and a couple no, times no. they did run at they, him. They, they, ran, they ran at him. They ran they had some every really which good, way. I thought they had some really good blocking schemes when they ran yes. at him using the tight end to crack block, using some receivers, kind of using – Sometimes, a lot, a lot of time, actually, the tackle, that was like a tackle pull yes. situation. And they, and they yeah. used his aggression against him a lot. He would get upfield, and they would kind of pin him down, and now all of a sudden your best defensive player is out of the play. So credit to the Bills, offensive coordinator, great scheming, great, great blocking schemes. And then when it came to just man-on-man, we lost almost every single battle. Yeah, and I think you started to get to something that I think is really interesting. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, the idea that the offense did not help the defense out. Mm -hmm. And I know that Brian and Bobby, Brian Broaddus, Bobby Belt, were talking about this on the Love of the Star podcast, which you can get anywhere you get your podcast. It's an Odyssey podcast. Uh, We're talking about the idea of it really does, it's starting to feel like this is a team that needs to play play from ahead. 100%. And not just for the reasons of some nebulous, they can't come back, right? Like, I think they're, they're capable of making chunk plays. I think the, the thing about that is that you then force the other team into a particular play style. Mm-hmm. You, you make them throw the football, which also then points to what is your defensive strength, Blake, if I ask you a question? Pass defense. Get into the pa- pass rush. Pass rush. Yep. 
right? You you have to put them in these situations where it's third and long and they need to throw the football, mm-hmm. right? And so with that, if you have those types of situations when you're ahead, you're making teams get into this place where we have to throw the football. And how many times have we seen this year where even if the pass rush hasn't been great in a game, when it gets later and there's that pressure on, all of a sudden you see Micah Parsons in the backfield uh, in, a, in a quarterback's kitchen. All of a sudden you see Oso Digazuwa cutting up the field. And I think the problem is, as we saw early on against the Jets and the Giants and some of those other teams, they look so good when they do do that. So the expectation is through the roof. Oh, my gosh, this team can shut people out and we can win 40 to nothing and have four or five takeaways. And then the moment you don't have four or five takeaways, shut a team out, you're like, this defense is the worst defense in the league. And I think it's more in the middle where that pass rush is top two elite up there can get to the pass or can get to the quarterback whenever. And then when a team like the Bills is controlling the time of possession, is running the ball down our throat with the lead, there's not much we could do. And we talked about it yesterday. This isn't the first time or even probably the best rush attack we face. The Eagles have a good rush attack. Good O-line. DeAndre Swift, Jalen Hurts, and we, I don't want to say we shut them down. But, but they, ran- play, they played a relatively successful, all things considered, yeah. understanding the, the ultimately yes. how what this rush defense is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so, that's fair. So it's just people tend to see that, and it's hard to we, – we look at extremes in sports media. We look at the highs and the lows. It's hard to find the middle ground right there, and the Cowboys are trying to find that middle ground of not – we can't get to the pass rusher every time. How can we just play, stop them two, three yards here, two, three yards here? It feels like these extremes. Either we have these blowouts where we win by a lot or it's like the Bills, Niners, where we just get absolutely crushed and we can't stop them any play and they've got to find a middle ground come playoff time. Yeah, uh, some things I don't – I appreciate all the texts that you guys have been sending in. Trust me, I'm trying to trying to make sure that I, uh, you know, acknowledge all of them. Like someone was talking about the idea that, you know, we mentioned – I mentioned Jonathan Hankins because – he, he is your starting defensive tackle on this mm-hmm. team, at least when you talk about like that big body mm-hmm. and particularly run-stopping. What about Mozzie Smith? The Mozzie Smith was fine, but yep. there, there were instances where he got washed out. There were instances where low, everybody got low, washed low, out. A little late, low late, but it's, like you said, not the only person on that defense. Right, and the, the tough thing about it is that Mozzie Smith is in the context of that was your first-round draft pick. Everybody's been waiting for him to show something, and this was the instance where, hey, your team needs you. What can you provide this team? And it was okay play but not nearly good enough play mm-hmm. and I don't know how much I want to harp on him about that but that is obviously something that is continuing to be watched by everybody uh, uh, outside of the Cowboys looking at seeing did you utilize that first round pick properly and are you getting the the value that you adequately want from a first round pick from there and I think that at best that is still you know that's still in the air and at worst you're starting to lean towards you're not getting what you want out of a first round pick in that in a first round pick you want produ- you want impact yeah. year 1 yep. and it doesn't feel like you're getting that one more thing i want to leave you with just to point back to that idea of the offense not helping out the defense mm-hmm. um, when it comes to third downs on, on at home the cowboys convert 53.6% of the time. It's pretty good. And we talked about how Dak Prescott had been in, in that run of playing incredible. He had been playing really great on third down. On on third down oh, on the road, 433 10% mm-hmm. less likely to con- convert on third down, continue drives. And on fourth down, 57.1% at home, 46.2%. Like you, you see the ways in which sometimes those drives are not being continued. So in addition, in addition to maybe not hitting the chunk plays, also, the the continuing of of series, continuing of drives by mm-hmm. just can you know moving the sticks lessens a little bit. We so usually I, win that time yeah. of possession battle, and this is one of the few times we didn't win it. And the two one four brought up a great point. Imagine if Dak would have hit CD on that go route to start the game. I'm not saying that the game would have been all of a sudden the Cowboys win it, but I think it would have been a lot different. We played differently when we're neutral or ahead, and we missed that early shot, and it just kind of spiraled with penalties, penalties after. So we are a team that needs to start fast. 
which was we talked about it yesterday, which confused me why they didn't take the toss because they've been very adamant about receiving the ball first and then they deferred for the first time in a while that I I can remember in this season. So them not getting that hot start definitely did not help. It's the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Latula, Blake Elliott here with you. Coming up next, is Lucas set for a more legitimate MVP candidacy this year? We discuss that next on The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This segment of the Get Right is brought to you by Frankel and Frankel. Life is unpredictable and accidents happen. Frankel and Frankel are the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in the DFW. And if your loved one have been injured in an accident, contact Frankel and Frankel for a free consultation at truckwreck.com or call 214 or 817-333-3333. So get right right here on 105.3. The fan Reginald Atula here with you alongside the fan phenom, Blake Elliott. Thanks to Rodrigo Mendoza on the ones and twos, and thank you for sitting in with us on this Tuesday in the Metroplex. Uh, it's it's kind of a, a DFW off day in a way. Both the Mavericks and the Stars played yesterday, so they both have the day off uh, or the night off. Or the, I, both of those work. I don't know why mm-hmm. I decided to re- mm-hmm. revise that. Um, coming up in about 20 minutes, we'll discuss. Uh, we'll go around the NFL on the get right. But right now, I kind of want to talk about those Dallas Mavericks who unfortunately fell to the Denver Nuggets in Denver yesterday, 130-104. Uh, Luka Doncic did what he could. However, this was this is of late recently has been a Dallas Mavericks team as a little bit of the walking uh, walking wounded. When you consider uh, you, you have two guys who are actively in a walking boot. And Derek Lively, uh, Kyrie Irving still in his as well as he's dealing with that uh, that foot contusion. Um, I know that you're still missing Maxi Kleba, Josh Green. It's actually it's actually like a brain workout for me every time to remember who all is out. I think I think they said Kyrie's out of the boot now. Okay, Kyrie's thank God. Out of the Blessings, boot. blessings be for your Dallas uh, Mavericks. Is there, there's there's a little bit of signs towards healing, but no, obviously this was a they were playing against a Denver's Nuggets team that was fully healthy uh, compared to your Mavericks that are maybe maximum unhealthy at this point. With that being the case, this is a t- still a team that is what sixteen and ten. Correct. Number, um, number five. Yeah, good for five in yep. the West. And the thing that interested me most, and the reason why this question came up, is Luka Doncic for what feels like the last two, three seasons, maybe coming into every one of the seasons, especially around these parts. But it feels like more around the NBA than you know. Uh, is Luka was looked at as, hey man, on the short list or long list of MVP candidates coming to the season because of what we understand about Luka Doncic. This is a dude that scores buckets. This is a dude that 
uh, is a playmaker, consummate uh, playmaker, shot creator, all those things. Defense, you know, sometimes optional, but the offense is at such a place and he is singular in the league to where it's like, yo, he is obviously one of the best players in the league and thus for the award reserved for the best player on a season, he is going to be in that conversation. It feels like the last few years, that's been more of a conversation to be had before this time of the year. And then once we get to a certain point, that is given, you know, done away with once we start talking about the real MVP candidates, if you know what I mean. Yep. And I'm, the question I have for you and all, everybody listening, 877-881-1053, the text line, Blake, is... Is this a more legitimate? Is this is there an opportunity this year for this season to be a more legitimate MVP case for Luka Doncic? Because the way that he started this year is is different. I, I don't even I don't even know what breath to give it because the things that Luka is doing is is historic. I think the standard is just so high because he has these insane scoring attributes and assist numbers. Every game, and then we're just like, ah, he didn't have 40 and and 15. I guess it was a bad night from Luka. I'm going to put it simply. I'll read out some stats in a second. But it really comes down to this MVP candidacy winning games. If he finishes top three in the West, I think he's got a real shot. If he's four below, we can kiss a goodbye. He can put up all the numbers he wants. In his last 10 games, his lowest point outing is 30. That's his worst game as far as points go. 30. His lowest rebounds is, well, he had the three, but other than that, six. Lowest assist, four. And that's, if you had 36 and four, that's some dude's career high. That's his worst in his last 10 games. He's been absolutely carrying this injured, riddled basketball team. And this is a team that even when, even when healthy with Kyrie in them, I wouldn't say this is the best supporting cast in the NBA. So it, it's still pretty middle of the pack when you got some guys that, you know, it's, wouldn't get minutes on a lot of contending teams, but are getting minutes, and he's able to and handle this. So, I might be saying Blake. Well, he doesn't do it against the good teams. He he only he only stat pads versus the bottom teams. Well, we, I don't know that anybody's bringing up those oh, things oh, when it oh, comes I, to Luca. Oh, real? I hear it. I hear it mm-hmm. plenty of times. Oh, he just stat pads versus the Blazers, and the, but when he plays the the good teams, he doesn't put it up. MVP candidate. I don't know that you could put that on Luca. Luca be putting the points up regardless. Now, if you want to talk about the entirety of the team, and that's a whole different conversation. But mm-hmm. Luca himself. Yep. Like, he seems unassailable in the scores buckets portion of the program, does right? Does it not feel just so effortless? Like, And that's one of the things I actually want to get to is, like, this year, more than anything, it does feel very effortless. In fact, Luka Doncic was asked after the game, was this, this wasn't yesterday, was it? Yeah, after the game yesterday, Grant Afseth, actually, Grant Afseth uh, had the video. There was another person asking this question of Luka, though, of just, you know, him having to play more minutes in – comparing that to the ways in which Luka Doncic is better prepared for this season. You say it's not easy, but how much easier is the game for you being in the peak uh, conditioning and churn? I mean, it is easier, you know. Uh, lately I've been playing a lot of minutes, so, uh, but I've been feeling good, you know, just out there playing basketball, so I've been feeling great. Jason said he's a little concerned about your minutes. Do you have any concern about that? No. That was my boy Brad, Brad Townsend right there. That there was you go. I, Brad Townsend. No, that Dallas voice anywhere. <laughs> but, I mean, Luca is, Luca can say a little bit. Like, he, he's not often going to be very verbose, I mm-hmm. guess. But one of the things that you get there is, like, it is easier. And the question Brad asked is alluding to the ways in which Luka Doncic has been more serious about his conditioning, more serious about his nutrition, 
this season. And you can see it, right? Like, this is a team that has talked about for many seasons, we're going to play faster. And ultimately, you look at the pace numbers, and they're not there. And this team has played faster this year. And Luka Doncic hasn't just done the thing where he hits the ball ahead and slowly makes his way up to meet his teammates. He's pushing the pace in addition to being, like you said, toying with teams like when they played against the Blazers it quite literally looked like he was walking through all of this and was Mm -hmm. untouchable and all these things are to say right you look at Luka Doncic and Luka Doncic is scoring 32.9 points uh, which is a career high he also I believe is at a career high uh, in efficiency assists and rebounds are at an incredible level those things are are there but I also want to point to the idea that it seems like he's better conditioned to take this the distance Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm re- and then obviously this team is better positioned when you talk about Kyrie being here and being a part and integrated assuming that he's healthy and that's a question we can discuss further but then also having Derek Lively um a better center when healthy and I think that this team is better positioned to do the winning that you talk about to put mm-hmm. them in a place where they're close enough mm-hmm. as opposed to like maybe being sixth maybe tipping towards that fourth which I think if you're in that conversation of the top teams now you, you're in that place where people are willing to consider the absurd numbers that Luka is going to give you throughout the course of and, the season. And I just looked at the Kia MVP race ladder. And right uh, you now, don't have to do that. They don't pay, they don't pay you enough that, they, right now, Luka, to mention Kia okay, you're right. when you talk about the MVP. <laughs> they don't even pay you at all? That's a great point. The, exactly. point. the MVP race ladder, I will say, un, un, unbranded. Uh, they got Luka at number five. Okay. They got Shea ahead of him, Giannis, yeah. Jokic. And Joel. And I bring that up because when you're going against top 10 teams, I think that's what really matters. Who cares about the garbage teams? Who who averages the most points, Blake, against those teams? Well, we got Shea at 30, and Embiid and B at 29, Jokic at 26, and Giannis at 27. Oh, yeah, Luka's at 37. Okay, maybe assist. He's not passing the ball. Shea's at 6, and Embiid's at 7, Jokic at 8.5, Giannis at 4.5, Luka's at 11.5. Rebounds. Luka's still at 7 above Shea right there with Embiid three behind and then true shooting percentage also the highest on the list at 65 percent everyone around the mid 60s so i say that that he's not just stat padding he's taking care of it against the better defensive rated teams in the league it just takes it takes a it takes more a team effort when you have guys where dante exum i love dante great great addition but when he's your second option well but the, i think you he's can't your sub- put the he, most output that you need to right, compete he, he, with these teams yeah but i think that in that instance you're being a little narrow side in that because we're talking about he's your second option right now and that has more to do with the injuries than anything else. i know but i think they're taking that into vote well they lost right on here the reason they say he lost is that they snapped a four-game losing streak and lost to the timberwolves um <laughs> and look i i think also some of that is like we got to remember that Ultimately, the MVP will be decided way later in the season, of so course. we have to take a more holistic view. The one thing, and I, I, as I say that, I'm going to talk about a, a metric that we have as of right now that will continue to change. However, one of the things that is very closely tied in to MVP um, is win shares per 48. Now, win shares is a is a kind of a advanced anal- analytic that's kind of close to WAR in baseball, right? When's, or not even WAR. Um, no, yeah, WAR. Um, and so it, it gets kind of close to that, the wins that you're kind of creating in a way. And then, of course, they do that per 48 minutes to kind of average this out in a way that is more palatable across. And that is really nicely correlated to at least those people that are going to be high up in the conversation. And honestly, it correlates pretty nicely to the MVP winners. And as of right now in the 2023-2024 season, Luka is not first, not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth, not sixth, not seventh, not eighth, not ninth, not tenth. 
and Weird and Share per 48. Who's top three? Top three currently, Joel Embiid, Shea Gildress-Alexander, like Nikola Jokic. I like Shea. And so I think that's the one thing that concerns me more than anything is that at this point, he's not at that place. But I'm, I'm very intrigued to see if everything is back where you're in, in a position of health, if that changes. Because I do think he's better positioned. However, I'm very much uh, currently looking at this place where it feels like this might be another one of those seasons where you look at the statistics that we laid out, which are mm-hmm. very good, and you look at the ways in which he's he's incredible at scoring, and qualitatively you look at him and you're like, this dude's incredible. But quantitatively and ultimately when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it once we get to March and April, that he's not going to be having a real MVP candidacy mm-hmm. again, which is really, um, I think, disappointing. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily for Luka himself, but just like in a general sense of, you have a player who is undoubtedly a top five, just for argument's sake, top seven player or in the, in the league that is not even truly really in the conversation for MVP. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> a lot of it does come down to win shares, like you said, winning basketball, playing defense, being able to get the whole team around you. And I just, I just feel like in the situation that he's in, he's doing the most that he can. He came in, came in shape this year. You know, I felt like he's played a lot better defense than people give him credit for this year. He's never going to be a lockdown defender like a Giannis or Joel Embiid in the paint or anything like that. That's not what they're paying him for. They're paying him for offensive output and getting this team going. And I just feel like the the tribulations that this team in the recent years and the shit has been put through is not anything we could say about Shea or Giannis or Jokic. Actually, I, I, actually I'll take it back. I'll give it back with Jokic because Jamal Murray was out this year. And he still kind of kept him afloat, even though Jokic had this tough little stretch of scoring and whatnot. So, like you said, it's going to come down to the end of the season who's able to keep their team afloat. And I think if he's in that top three, top four seed in the West, that he'll be one of the top three contenders. And some of these other guys may fell out, fall off based on efficiency and win shares. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we're a quarter away through the season or over a quarter away through the season in the National Basketball Association. We'll go through some more kind of observations through the first quarter, and currently there's some NBA basketball on. I, the only reason it's particularly notable in my uh, perspective is that John Morant back on the basketball court, um, not toting no things in any ways, but um, yeah, out there playing basketball again. And they're losing. <laughs> yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies need it uh, at least in theory because they have been such a poor team. Currently, the shooting, um, no pun intended, hasn't been great for him. Wow. Three of eight uh, from the field right now, 0 of three from deep. So he's still finding his legs. And, yes, they are indeed losing. The Pelicans doing that work against them, 58-36 as they near halftime um, at the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. It's the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we go around the NFL where we might take a second to just kind of Marvel at just how bad it's looking for the Eagles over there. We'll do that next on The Fan. This segment of the Get Right is brought to you by Classic Chevrolet. Classic Chevrolet is leading the way to finish the year number one in America. They're racing hard with year-end savings and over 400 Silverados. Shop them all at ClassicChevrolet.com. This is Texas. This is Classic Chevrolet. Find new roads and relax and enjoy the difference. Block from the shotgun. JSN is wide to the far side. Drew looks, throws that way. Got JSN. He reaches up. Makes the catch. 
Touchdown! Seahawks! Holy catfish! What a throw by Drew Locke! What an over-the-shoulder catch! And with 28 seconds left, the Seahawks lead 19-17. Holy catfish indeed. It's the get right right here on 105 through the fan. Reginald Datatula alongside Blake Elliott, the fan phenom. Appreciate Rodrigo on the ones and twos and for making sure that we could hear that fantastic call of the Seattle Seahawks going up over the Eagles and ultimately defeating them on Monday Night Football. That's right. The better better bird won. The better bird won. Okay. Honestly, I feel like, you know what, sometimes Eagles are overrated. I would take— Just in general. What does a Seahawk even look like? That's that's, a great question. I'm not sure if that's—is that a real thing? Is is a Seahawk a real animal? I think so. I can— do some Google. Yeah, do, do some Google. Can we get a Let us know if you've ever seen a Seahawk in real life and describe it for us, please. While you do that, I should let you know, uh, you can always text into the truckwreck.com text line, 877-881-1053. And with that... There is no such thing called a Seahawk. That's right. That's <laughs> okay, right. Well, there that's you right. go. There you go. With that, we'll go around the NFL here on the Get Right. Um, as, yes, the Eagles took a loss yesterday. Mm-hmm. I say that not to inform you because if you're a Tolo, you probably already know that. Oh, yeah. Um, you heard me scream last night. You did? Okay. <laughs> Out of context, that's a crazy claim. But, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, On the show, I screeched for the win. Okay. I was referring Very to. Very good. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I say that more just so you can, you know, take a second to, you know, enjoy the Eagles and their dysfunction. As this is their third loss in a row and you start to wonder if maybe Jalen Hurts is getting is starting to feel it as after. Ooh, that was nasty. My bad. <laughs> after this game, uh, better in than than better in than out. Shrek always says, "Better in than out." Okay, very good. Um, this is uh, cut thirty five. Rodrigo Se- seems like he he's questioning a lot of different things. Tell me, is this lashing out or not? In, in those situations, I've been talking about execution all year. Um, been on the same page, everyone been on the same page, and we didn't execute. Um, I don't think we were, we're all were uh, committed enough, you know, you know, just, just got to turn it around, you know, um, you know, it's a challenge that we have to embrace and just continue to see it through. What do you mean by that, about being committed enough? <laughs> Commitment. I don't know, know that. I had a dictionary on me now. Um, excuse me. I don't know um, how else to say. Man, I if I and I even tweeted about this. Like, if you're if you're an Eagles fan, you hear that post game presser. Are you super excited with this team moving first forward? Of first of all, Jalen Hurst's vocal quality there. Can you just give me like t- two random seconds of the hit, of how he sounded there, Rodrigo, real quick? situations i've been talking about execution all year thank you um <laughs> he sounds like the speaking of dictionaries the the dictionary definition of down bad yeah. like he just does not sound like he wants to be, he sounds like he wants to be literally anywhere else but there i can agree um but also questioning the team's commitment huh mm. that sounds like things are going great over there doesn't it and we're in late december this isn't week two this isn't the off season this is playoff push time Okay, so this is an interesting dichotomy that's brought up on the truck or on the Twitch. Um, Swaggy Booty says uh, he either he's either sad or blazed. 
Which one do you feel better about? That's weed. Yeah, yeah. Which one do you feel better about? I'm going to go with he was sad and sick and then lit him one up in the locker room after. Knew he was going to have to go to that postgame presser because you're right. The moment he talked to you, he was like, man, I just, I don't, I don't even want to. It's a commitment. I don't even know what else I could say. Commitment. Because you know, you know Jalen, since he lost a Super Bowl, he hasn't laughed. I don't, see, I don't know if he's cracked a smile in three, in two years. Like, this man has been locked in. But it looks way worse when you're losing. It's like, man, this guy is not like he's having fun, but you know, dedication, not dedication, however you want to call it. That boy is uh, doesn't seem like he's having a great time. Well, other people that are not having a great time. And actually, before I utilize that that segue, I should go to the truckwreck.com text line that is pointing out. Uh, there's various different um, interpretations of the Seahawks yeah, moniker a lot of for Seattle going into from those. the four six nine. They say that they think Seahawks refer to the Seahawk fighter jet. Thanks to Vic mm. and Dallas for that one from the five one two. Shout out. Uh, they said a Seahawk is just churching up a seagull, which I don't believe is true. I don't think that that's actually. But hey, uh, I, I I would appreciate it if they were like seagull. No, that don't sound hard enough. I have Let's go no with Seahawk. Idea. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, but I, I I'm I'm inclined of the things that we have here on the text line. To maybe lean in <laughs> to this interpretation. This actually is hilarious. Which right now. from the 810 says, looked it up with my daughters last night. Sounds like an expert. They said they are ospreys or ospreys. I, don't, I never remember how to say that. I only read it. Is that like an ostrich? What are ospreys? Um, it is not an ostrich. Is that a type of animal? It is a, it's a type of bird for sure. Um, it's not an ostrich. It is also called a seahawk, a river hawk, or a fish hawk. Uh, it's a diurnal fish-eating bird of prey. Diurnal. That's a word I've never heard before. And let me tell you, I know people are like, Reggie's smart. I don't I don't off the top remember what diurnal means. I, I can I can try and break it down, but I can't tell you what urnal is either. So we just we just gonna be down the, bad. The 682 together. says the Seahawk is the <clears throat> the Bigfoot of the sea. Whatever whatever and, that means. And that is and that it's not real? Is that I, what we're doing there? I, I guess. And then no disrespect to all big feet that might be listening. Do you have to plural foot? If you plural big, big foot, is it book, big foots or big feet? Big feet. Rodrigo, I'm looking to you for an answer oh, here. Oh, my fault. I thought y'all were. <laughs> no, it's because you sometimes look over here and I'm like, oh, uh, big feet. Let me look that up. That's a good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. What other, que- what other odd questions should I just lob Rodrigo's direction okay. and ask him to find me an answer for? From the 469 Philly transplant here. An interesting wordage right there. I like it. The game, the press conference, it all just made me want to walk on a 75 during rush hour. Oh, no. Well, by yeah, the way, love yeah, you guys. Appreciate you. Appreciate you and your love and your kindness. Uh, walking out into uh, walking out on the 75 during rush hour. I actually don't think that would hurt because it's just a parking lot, ain't it? Right, you can just walk <laughs> between the cars. I have no idea. Uh, but no, uh, speaking of down bad in the Eagles, is this is the way that we're going here. Um, A.J. Brown decided to direct his anger Ooh, in a different yes, way. Yes, talk to me, talk to me. As <laughs> on, there, there was a particular play in this game on Monday night between the Eagles and the Seahawks where the Eagles had A.J. Brown go on an out-and-up route. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was an opportunity to get the ball downfield. However, yeah, yeah, however, uh, someone got a hold of some, you know, is this? I don't think this is all 22 film. This seems to just be... A high angle of the play. Oh, aerial. And that is a word that would work here. Appreciate you, Blake. I like that. I like that with your diction there. That's yep. good stuff there. Uh, yep. They, You know, fans have been getting on Twitter and doing a lot of talking because it seems as though Devontae Smith's route was open it underneath. Was. It and was. so people were like, oh, man, this is Jalen Hurts not doing what he's supposed to do, not taking the easy layup, Forcing it. trying to force it to his homeboy, A.J. Brown. <laughs> and A.J. Brown said enough. Uh-oh. He said, quote, Quotes. Y'all fans swear y'all know everything. Mm. It was a, It's a shot play to me. I'm the first read. Mm. He just missed the throw. Ooh. Of course we would have threw it to six because it didn't work 
But then when the bleep works, everybody's happy. Quit all that buddy ball bleep. I'm decoys on many plays. And all that he forced me to ball bleep too. I'm in his head bleep. When I make plays, everyone happy. But when it's incomplete, it's I'm making him throw me the ball. Mm. I get blamed for more bleep than anything. Tired of y'all playing with my character. Think, Lots of breakdown there. You think, you think AJ Brown is uh, is feeling good right now? <laughs> he 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 and Jalen um, apparently didn't smoke enough because they still tense. They still tense. Um, all I all I know is yes, there's a little bit of truth to that. Obviously, everyone's an expert on, it, especially when you lose. But I didn't like the what was it? They he I'm the first read and Jalen just missed the throw. Why are you throwing your boy under the under the? You got it. You got it. Well, I don't know how much that's throwing him under the bus. We can see the play. I know. But <laughs> we I, can see that he missed I, the throw. I, I, I think on that one you got to be like, we just didn't connect. I think there's a better word. Oh, right okay, there. yeah, yeah. Rather than he just missed me. I mean, if he didn't, uh, you know, I would have hooped. You know how I am. You know who I because he be posting on Instagram pretty pretty hard. He did the little meme with the is this the dude guarding me, pointing to the side like throw me the ball type stuff. So just in that camp. It seems like there's a lot of smoke, a lot of dysfunction. We got A.J. Brown shoving people, as I saw. Showed you on the sideline. He's shoving people. Not yeah. his own team, the, the Seahawks sideline. There's a lot of anger going on right there. They're not winning. I, I don't know if it's the best look for the team. I'm not saying they're going to fall apart and not win another game, but it definitely isn't trending in the pushing positivity, as Young Doug would say. That is – that's – very fair. Thug. That's very, I didn't anticipate uh, Thugger getting brought up on this evening's program, but hey, you know what? When you listen to Get Right, all sorts of surprises yep. can arise. Yep. Uh, so that that's the portion of Around the NFL where we, uh, we I guess, uh, enjoy a little bit of the Eagles' sadness after their, yes. Monday, their Monday night loss. Uh, one more thing on Around the NFL before we keep this going, as the National Football League uh, made it known to us earlier today that they intend on that you remember that uh double monday night football thing i do that we've seen pop up a few times wasn't on the it was at the same time yes yeah 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 um the nfl seems to be uh, content with the idea of doing that more going forward in fact uh they let us know that you know they're going to continue doing that in fact uh next year and so my immediate reaction was that defeats the purpose of having primetime games, right? The idea yeah, is it's, like it's prime time. There's it's this, one game. <laughs> there's this, you know, there's in this time where a lot of people are watching. There's the one game that's major that could fo- be focused upon. But the NFL is just getting to this place where they're continuing to expand. Obviously, Thursday night football. Um, they're mo- you know playing a lot of these games in various places. And they announced this year that they will be playing an ex- uh, not an exhibition game, but a game in Brazil, in uh, I believe Sao Paulo. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this. The NFL continuing to grow and to grow and to grow, and it does make you wonder at what point is, I guess, enough, or at what point is does it maybe go too far? Keep growing. There is no stop of growth. It's like no, an infection. No, you need to stop growth because let me tell you what I'm not going to do. Watch football every single day of the week. Right now, right, like right now, uh, it's already tough enough when it's like, all right, I got Sunday, <laughs> I got Monday, I got Thursday. But sometimes I got Saturday, yep. and I like, look, man. If y'all start putting these on Fridays and Tuesdays, and <laughs> they, I'm, I'm, you know I, they're gonna do it at I, some point. I need time to rest or do other things. Like you, you can't keep doing this to me. You can't. Well, I refuse. So, when, do we know, Rigo? Can you can you ask, can you figure out when did they start implementing these off day games? Because I'm sure at some point games were just on Sunday, and then they started adding Thursday. 
I don't know the exact date. Well, they, I believe we went to Monday Night Football first. And Monday then, was first? And okay. we added the Thursday Night I wonder, because I wonder what those gaps are. Is it like every 10 years they add one? Every well, 100 years? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So we, we're uh, expect more of the Monday Night Double Feature. Actually, it's not even a double feature because it's not like you can watch one and then watch the other. But the the Monday night uh, double game yep. on Monday you night gotta football. You got to get YouTube TV and do the multicast because uh, NFL is is uh, continuing to grow, whether you like it or not. Like an infection. Well, Blake's words, not mine. Not that I disagree. <laughs> it's the get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, um, will certain murky quarterback team relationships last, or are they headed for a breakup? Let's get respectfully messy next on the fan. Better out than in, I always say.